What is up, everybody? It's me. It's me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. Coming to you, the tens of ones in the listening audience, with a very special episode 95 of the podcast. That is right. We are now at... 95 installments over the course of however many years, because again, there was a multi-year hiatus where this show was not on the air, so to speak. But um, one way or another, we have made it through 95 installments of myself talking about nothing. For anywhere from 30 minutes to, gosh, some of those old episodes were like an hour plus, because I would only do like one episode a month, so I made it... Longer. In any case, that seems like an awful lot of Mr. Sensational Gino Vega talking at tens of one's people. But some of you are still here, and so the show must go on. The show did not go on last week. I apologize, but I didn't even... I was off last week. It was a holiday week, Thanksgiving week. I didn't even really have any big plans, but our schedule was all weird. Everyone was home, and like, it didn't even occur to me that... uh, Tuesday, the day when I normally record the shows, had happened until Wednesday, and then I realized, oh, I didn't do a show this week. And by that point, we were nearing um, the actual holiday day of the week anyway, Thanksgiving, so it just seemed kind of pointless to um, throw one out there for you tens of ones last week. But we're here this week. Once again, if you're listening in a vacuum, this is the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. A podcast wherein I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, a middling, middle-aged, average individual living in uh, Napa, California, in the state of... uh, Yeah, I just said California. I was going to say Napa, California, in the state of California. Um, I plumb the depths of my mediocre existence to uh, squeeze what content I can from those depths and synthesize it into takes, tales, and thoughts for you, the listener. Takes, tales, and thoughts that you didn't ask for and you don't need, but you're getting anyway. And all of this, all of this comes to you by way of the venerable IC Robots Radio Network, a podcasting network created and led by one man, that is uh, our namesake station boss, IC Robots himself, And if you're interested in hearing more of the network, you can go over to whatever your particular podcast purveyor might be, whether it's Apple Podcasts, if that's even what it's called anymore, Spotify, where else do people even get their podcast feeds from? I don't know. Where it's all all these places have access to the same stuff. Uh, Type in I C Robots, I S E E Robots. Like I look at them, but I see them. Icy robots, not icy robots, like they're really cold, but icy robots, like I perceive robots with my eyes. Um, Type that into the old search bar, hit like, hit subscribe, and you will have access to all content that comes down the pike. And if you want to get even a little bit deeper, you can head over to supportthereport.com. I want to make sure I say that clearly. Support thereport.com and that is the Patreon page Patreon page I should say for uh, the network Uh, began in the days when the flagship show of the network was the Toys R Us report hence support the report but you can go over there 
And for as little as a dollar a day, become a patron and unlock all kinds of bonus content, should you so desire. And now on to very special episode 95. We have a few things to talk about this week. I've been pretty busy lately, so there's no shortage of uh, life content to mine. As longtime listeners may know, one of the struggles with this show is uh, my activity out in the world can ebb and flow at times. And uh, there are weeks when I find it very hard to um, think of anything to latch on to, to sort of juice content from uh, lately, that has not been the case. There's been plenty of stuff going on. So let's just get right down to it. Um, I will start off by saying um, I'm coming to you a little bit later in the day than I would normally record on a Tuesday. I was off today. I didn't go into work today. Um, but I had to take my older daughter, Miss Sensational One, to an orthodontist appointment. And her orthodontist is out of town. I don't mean the orthodontist is out of town. I mean the orthodontist office is located in another town than where we live. So it always takes forever to get there. The appointment's like two seconds long. It takes forever to get back. Thank God that I think we're almost at the end of this process. This child has had orthodontia from a very young age, and we're in like the death throes of it now. But it's never quite over. You always got to go back for one last check, and then one more last check, and then another check of the last check. But anyway, I didn't work today. So I could take her to that. And also, uh, I knew that our family had plans last night and that I would be tired today, which I guess is kind of sad because um, my wife also uh, attended what I'm going to talk about last night. And she was like up at, I don't know, 6 a.m. sauteing vegetables for some uh, work luncheon that her team was having today. I don't know. She was able to do that and then go work a full day. I couldn't even go sit in a classroom for a couple hours as a substitute teacher. But I guess we're wired differently. But also the other thing is I knew our kids would be fried. Because again, I'm trying to get to the point here. We, the whole, All four of us in our nuclear family went to an event last night. I knew the kids were going to be tired. I knew they weren't going to ha- want to have to walk to school today. And I was going to give them a ride. Yes, that's right. I was doing something nice for my children. I'm just ruining ruining their lives, destroying their lives. Um, they, they, they should learn the value of being ground into a nub into the pavement, curb stomped, um, existentially curb stomped as it were. But no, um, I knew they'd be tired, so I wanted to give them a ride to school. And I, I had to give the other one a ride. Anyway, the point is, I'm coming to you late in the day because I was busy in the middle of the day with the orthodontist. I've also been kind of dragging all day. And I'm dragging all day, I'm feeling a little loopy right now, because last night, I went to a live music event in San Francisco, California. My, my favorite city in the world, as, as longtime listeners know. The, the, the mecca of all things, Mr. Sensational. My favorite place in the world to be, San Francisco, California. If you're not a longtime listener of the show, I am, of course, being facetious. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of San Francisco. I don't really enjoy it there. Um, but the live music event that our family wanted to attend last night was in San Francisco, as live music events in this region uh, often are. And the fact that we attended this live music event um, is noteworthy. It's noteworthy to me. I don't know that it's noteworthy to anyone else. But in my own personal canon, noteworthy to me for a few reasons. For two reasons. I guess a a two is not a few. But uh, reason one... Okay, so this is the... um, third live music event 
that the four members of the nuclear sensational family um, have attended together. The third event that all four of us, uh, myself, my wife, Ms. Sensational, my daughter's Miss Sensational 1, Miss Sensational 2. Third live music event that we have all gone to together. This is the first one where all four of us wanted to go to see the same act. Because it, it, it just turns out there is a musical act, a band, as it were, that all four of us are fans of. So we all decided to go to the show together. The initial two live music events that we attended as a family... Ms. S and I only went to bring our daughters to see stuff that they were into that we were not into. So this was the first one that we were all going to do together. But the second reason of note in my personal canon is this is the first live music event I have attended in. I, I don't even know how long. Honestly, I, I, I really have to sit and think about it for a while. But it's, it's been decades. The first one that I have attended where I actually wanted to go and wanted to see the band that was playing. It's been a long time, and uh, this was the first time in a long time. And that's why I'm telling you this story on very special episode 95. So here's the deal. This is another uh, piece of information that longer-time members of the Tens of Ones uh, would be privy to. But in my younger years, I spent a good deal of time being very immersed in the world of live music events. In particular, live music events of sort of a alternative rock uh, persuasion. I played in a band starting in high school till a year or so after. Um, and we played a lot. We played constantly in our own regional area. We did a couple of uh, tours to different places in the continental United States. We played in Hawaii. We played a lot of shows. Um, and then I was in other bands after that. And then that band got back together um, in kind of a midlife crisis form in around 2009 and played a lot more shows. But anyway, I played at many live music events. And when you play at live music events, you also take in the other bands at live music events. So I have been to live music events more times in my life than I can possibly count. And it's one of those things where just uh, continuous exposure takes away any of the fun or magic of the experience that a more casual goer, I would, I, I would imagine, uh, experiences. Um, when you've seen band after 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 band, it's very hard, at least it's hard for me to get excited about the next one. Um, and then when you were involved in that world, um, if you're playing in a band, if you're promoting shows, if you're somehow a hanger-on of, of what's going on and a, a scenester, as it were, and know lots of people um, in the sphere, uh, you're not just there kind of kicking back and having a good time. You're constantly having to deal with like politicking and you know getting yourself over with other people and making sure this person saw you here, you saw them there, you said this to that one and that one 
talk them into getting you a favor to get you on some other show, and then this one's mad that you played that show and they didn't, blah, 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 and there's all drama. And I guess, I mean, some people do it forever. I mean, that's there's still bands playing at live music events, so some of these people must not get burnt out on it. I did get kind of burnt out on it after a while. And particularly when I stopped playing music, I, I just, it was not that interesting to me to go take in a live music event. I just felt like, been there, done that, as kids once said a long time ago. But now it's been a long time. It's been a real long time since I attended any live music events. The first two in a long time were the two that we took the kids to that for acts that I wasn't interested in. But the sun, the moon, the stars aligned to where this band called Bass Drum of Death. You can look them up. Bass Drum of Death. It's, it's essentially one dude's solo project, but then like his brother plays a... Uh, uh, Guitar in the band too, and they have a drummer. So the, the current incarnation is the three piece. Um, it just so happened that we found out that all four of us like this band, and all four of us came. All four of us came to the band independently of the others in the family. Um, so it's kind of like, huh? Hey, look, they're playing um, in a few weeks in San Francisco. We should go. So we decided to go. And at first, I was like, ah, whatever, I'll go. But as as, as it got close to the show, I was like, you know, I actually really want to see this. I have not seen a band that I like that I have no connection to. I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. I don't know people who know them. I, nothing. I'm just going there as a complete casual off the street to take in a live music event and enjoy it as a live music event consumer. I got more and more excited about that prospect. And so um, last night, the event came. The event happened. We went down there. And I got to tell you, I had a great time. Uh, these guys were great. I had, it, it, it's been so long, like I said, that I've seen a band where I just I I felt completely disconnected from them, and I mean this in the best possible way. Like I I was completely there as a spectator. Show me what you got. Show me what you're doing. Let me see you play music. Let me be impressed. I am impressed. You guys are great. This is awesome. And I get to go home and not really think about it again. Although I am thinking about it again because I'm talking about it. But you know what I mean. It's uh, there was no there was no. Um, greater connection. I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to get on a bill with them down the road or worry if, you know, be jealous that they were on some label that I wanted to be on or, you know, I didn't have to shake hands and kiss cheeks of everyone in the audience because I don't know anyone anymore. I looked around, I kept, I kept thinking I was seeing people I knew and it was just doppelgangers because, you know, it's not just the alternative music scene, the alternative rock scene, it's any scene. There's only, there's, in any given cultural scene, cultural mode of expression, there's like maybe three or four ways that people can look, you know, uh, you go to a pro football game, the fans are going to look, there's going to be like three archetypes of fans there. You go to a symphony, there's going to be three archetypes of, 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 uh, audience members. You go to a pro wrestling show. There's like three archetypes of audience members. You go to a alternative rock live music event again, Three archetypes. So I kept saying, oh, hey, what? Oh, hey, I don't know that person. Awesome. This is great. So I just anonymously sat there and watched Bass Drum of Death rock out and had a great old time. So this is the beginning. I'm I'm back in the game. I'm actually keeping my eye now on the event calendar, seeing what comes down the pike. And I'm back in the game of attending live music events. And so this is how, even when we think we have reached this sort of Middling void of middle age where, where uh, what's the Ecclesiastes thing? Like uh, nothing new under the sun. Seen it all, done it all. Nothing's ever going to change. No growth left in life. 
You get thrown a curveball by life, and you're surprised, and something that is old is actually new again. Um, so who knew? Anyway, yes, I, I'm back in the market for live music events. Apologize, apologies to my friend Teen Wundle, because I, most of these live music events I'm going to, going to be attending are not going to be of the pop-punk variety. Not going to be of the pop-punk variety. That won't necessarily resonate with, with nine of the tens of ones, but for Wundle, I, ju- I just need to give him that caveat. That's not what I'm talking about um, returning to see. That has been there and done that. That is never coming back. But, but a rocking band like Bass Drum of Death, I, I will go see them all day long. And then I think the next act I'm going to see is another solo guy, uh, kind of similar garage uh, punk genre. Uh, with a little psychedelic stoner twist. Uh, an individual by the name of King Tough. That's a few months out. Maybe something else will come down the pike before them. That's the next one on my radar. Is King Tough. Um, the headlining act at that show was actually that band from the 1990s, uh, The Lemonheads. The Lemonheads. The Lemonheads of uh, what was uh, some of the... Uh, they had songs like... Uh, there's a place where I can go uh, into your arms and into your arms and I can go. You know that one? Uh, they also did an unnecessary cover of a Paul Simon song. A Paul Simon song, that Mrs. Robinson song. I don't understand a cover of a song that's already ubiquitously played out. Now let's cover it and have that cover become ubiquitously played out. Anyway, Lemonheads were a, a uh, pillar of the early 1990s alternative rock scene. And I wasn't really into them when I was a kid. I was aware of them kind of on the periphery. When I first started getting into music, I knew they were out there, but I never really delved into them myself. And by the time I got fully entrenched, they were they were far too way street, mainstream for me, man. I was into the, the real hardcore underground stuff, and, and Lemonheads had kind of gotten more uh, um, pop. But uh, in the years since, I've always had a fascination with the Lemonheads. I, w- I always wanted to like the Lemonheads because the Lemonheads um, front person, gentleman by the name of Evan Dando, uh, in the 90s, he was kind of this like male model himbo looking guy. Uh, but he had a reputation for being kind of sloppy. Like, his, his live performances were ragged and frayed. Uh, probably um, aided and abetted by substance use and, I dare say, abuse. And not that I want to make any light of substance abuse or use. Um, but because there's people that can a- achieve this state of mind without uh, life-threatening um, addictive properties. But there, there's I've always had kind of a romance with the rock performer that is not perfect. The rock performer that has, is kind of rough around the edges. I would rather see a lively sloppy set by a band than a precise boring set by a band. I would rather see, um, I would rather see guns and roses than the Foo Fighters. Let's put it that way. Um, but so the Lemonheads, this guy always had a rep of being kind of a mess. And so I always thought he'd be cool to see live because his music is one of these guys, one of these artists, and there were there were several from that era of the 1990s, the, the more kind of polished mainstream alternative acts. Guys were, and gals, but uh, folks, people, where their songwriting is good. I get what they're, what they're going after with the songs. I like the songs, but 
for me, just for me, and this is all, you know, music's subjective, all subjective. Um, I may troll Wendell, but I do realize it's all, it's all uh, subjective. Uh, songs that were good, but that the delivery was too boring, too staid, too clean. So I always thought, you know, this guy's songs are kind of cool, and the recordings are boring, but seeing him live when he's supposedly like a total mess, maybe that would, that would elevate these things to something that more in my wheelhouse, more what I want to see. So aged version, many decades later, aged version of Evan Dando still performing under the, the moniker of the Lemonheads, even though it's really just him. I mean, there's a band, but it's, you know, it's whoever's playing with Evan Dando is the Lemonheads. Um, I thought it'd be kind of fun to check him out. No one else in the family was interested. I thought maybe if it was entertaining, that would give them pause to stick around. But by the time he came out, after we'd just seen this great, intense, um, just rock and roll machine set by Bass Drum of Death, um, a set that was really impressive because, just to go back to them for a moment, they're a very um, no-frills working man's band. Like You wouldn't be able to pick any three of the guys of that band out of a lineup, really. Just kind of grungy looking, long hair. Well, the drummer was bald, but they had the two brothers that play um, guitar. Just kind of grungy looking, stonery guys, but not just kind of nondescript. They don't say anything when they play. You know, just go up there and start playing. I think one time the the, the uh, brother that sings was like, "How are you guys doing?" Uh, but just when they're playing, just you know, the the head is banging, the hair is flying. They're just it was just just real gritty working man's punk rock and roll, great stuff, but high energy. So freaking Evan Dando comes out and the dude is obviously under the influence. And I'd heard he was supposed to be playing the entirety of the shame about Ray album because it's like 30 years old or something like that. So I was expecting to hear that. I was expecting a full band to come out. He comes out by himself and proceeds to start playing these like Kind of James Taylor. Uh, shout out to uh, my friend Jerry who pointed out the the similarities between Evan Dando and James Taylor. Um, started uh, playing these James Taylor sounding acoustic songs, just like stoned or drunk, whatever, just out of his mind, and would be playing badly, and then just like, oh no, 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 and stop, stop the song, and then restart it from the beginning. And this went on for like three songs and the family's like, dude, we're out of here. We got to bounce because it was getting late anyway. And we had to get back to Napa like an hour away and we'd seen the band that we went to go see. So I didn't get to see the Lemonheads and all their glory. I didn't get to see him playing with the full backing band. My brother went to the show and a long time, old time family friend of ours who's visiting the Bay Area went to the show. My brother stayed for about half the set and then left half of the Lemonheads set and then left. Then our... Long family friend stayed till the end, and he said by the end there were about 20 people left, and this had been a sold-out show at the Great American Music Hall. So I don't know. I, I Now, in retrospect, that would have been something to see, but the family was not having it. Um, but who knows? There will be more live music event adventures down the road. Speaking of Wundle, Teen Wundle. For those of you who don't know, Teen Wundle at Teen Wundle on the Twitter machine, if he's still on there, which we're going to get to in a second. At Teen Wundle is a fellow by the name of Albert, who I've known since about 2009. And I actually met Albert by way, sort of um, adjacent to live music events. Albert is kind of a historian, a curator of bands and music from the era of the band that I was in in high school. And he used to post um, people's... Uh, 
old seven inch records, the, the audio recordings of them, the MP3, the digital files, he'd post them on YouTube. And that's how I met him. Cause he posted my band on there and we got to talking online. He's a poster child of why, when people criticize social media, criticize Facebook, stuff like that. He's the flip side for me because again, I only know Albert. I only met Albert because of social media. Um, Albert's social media name is Teen Idol on Twitter. That was taken already, so he's Teen Wundle, numeral one, D-O-L. So that's when, when you hear me joking about Wundle, that's who I'm talking about. Anyway, Teen Wundle, Albert, is one of, I'd say, three people that I interact with regularly on Twitter, the app known as Twitter. Probably a few other people, but just just regularly, it's Wundle, it's IC Robots, and it is Engineer Nerd, another member of the Tens of Ones. Um, and even that is not that, like, I've, I've, I've never been a big Twitter user. I don't like Twitter. I've never liked Twitter. It has nothing to do, uh, ownership, you know, ideological stuff, political stuff, nothing. I don't like the app. I don't like the format. I guess I'm a member of the old school because when I am receiving information, and this is a problem with all of these, these online platforms. But when I'm receiving information, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I want to see it in chronological order, chronological form. I don't want to hop around to what an algorithm thinks I want to see. I, I just want to see. I need context. Half the time on Twitter, I, I end up on there because I get tagged in something. I get notified. I go on there. And I can't even understand what people are talking about because I'm seeing fragments of fragments and it's so hard to like loop back to what the original post was and then who replied to what. And then, you know, you've replied and then like 10 minutes later, you see that there was some other reply that totally makes what you're, you were saying sound idiotic because you didn't understand the overall context. I just want to see someone starts an original post, then show me a flow chart with everything else that people are replying under it. I think this happens on, on Reddit as well. Not that I use Reddit, but every now and again, I will end up on Reddit because I have a question about something. Um, type in the Google search, like, you know, uh, what do you do on Yakuza 4 when so-and-so says X, Y, or Z to you? And it's something that's too esoteric to be in a general walkthrough, so you end up in some Reddit thread about it. But again, you cannot never just find who posted the original thing and then what directly was said after it. It's always like you have to either go off on some other rabbit hole to see replies. I don't know. Anyway. Never been a fan of Twitter. Never understood it. Old, I'm an old timer. I'm a fossil. It's beyond me. Beyond my pay grade. Um, not a heavy user either. I think I had, I was following 30 people and being followed by 30 people. So just insignificant in the grand scheme of Twitter things. And the couple of people that I ever chopped it up with on there, I chop up with on, on Facebook anyway. So it just seemed redundant to have multiple platforms. And as I mentioned, I think it was last episode, my whole schedule is different now. I don't have a whole lot of time to be messing around on social media. I've kind of been enjoying not spending as much time on it, but also again, like we talked about last uh, episode, finding that healthy medium of, of it being around, but not being glued to it. Um, so I kind of impulsively deactivated my Twitter account. Um, Cause again, it just, it, I, I don't really use it that much. 
Um, of course, now I'm having some misgivings because, like, when I did use it, it was to interact with, like, a fraction of the tens of ones, oftentimes about episodes of this show or other ISO Robots radio content. But that happens on Facebook, too. But I guess I have, I don't know, maybe I'll reactivate the Twitter thing. Who knows? God only knows. But the point is, it's kind of an impulsive decision. And I won't lie that it wasn't, uh, I've never been a fan of Twitter, but it, it, the, the individual Elon Musk who bought the company made the decision a little bit easier for me to be impulsive about because uh, he's just so annoying. Like, again, I don't even want to get into, I'm not getting into any politics, any this, that. Like, the dude's just freaking annoying. So for me to be able to do this little microscopic, infinitesimal, um, annoying thing to him by being one less body on there, um, I don't know. Why not? Sign me up. Dude, what, he flipped a switch with me. A few people I know got laid off. Um, when he did his whole grandiose layoff thing after taking over the company. And from what I understand, most of the people that I've talked to are not that concerned because they got severance. They're kind of over being there anyway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But his dealings, um, when he like sent out that thing that like everyone had to commit to working like 2,000 hours a week, and if they didn't, they were gone. And then he fired a bunch of people, but then he was like, oh, can anyone help me with the software stack? Ah, like uh, Reaching out to people that he just fired. I, this was feeling very familiar to me, very nostalgic to me, and I couldn't put a finger on why. And it suddenly occurred to me, the CEO at the last job I had acted the exact same way. She would bully people, belittle people, demean people, gleefully fire people, and then need help, either from them, want help from them, or try to squeeze the remaining people for help for the stuff that she just screwed up because she you know, gleefully lorded it over that she could fire someone. And I understand business is business and sometimes layoffs have to happen, but there's this real smarmy, obnoxious way that was going on with this Elon thing. So um, combination of not using the thing, not liking the format and wanting to, to uh, tell Elon to shove it caused me to impulsively leave. But, you know, I'd been hearing all this chatter that there were these new sanctuaries, these new Twitters. And I guess it doesn't make any sense that like, why would I leave Twitter and then want a new Twitter? But there's this other part of me that's always been drawn to weird, like knockoff versions of things, weird upstart versions of things. It's like the name is going to escape me right now and I don't have time to look it up. But um, I see robots has talked about these toys before. Like in the day there was like G.I. Joe toys, but then there was like some knockoff, like, you know, America Force or whatever. And, and yes, they were a knockoff, but they were still their own universe with their own thing. And it just, I don't know, that's always been a fascinating paradigm to me, the, the sort of bizarro world knockoff realm of um, mainstream things. It's why, fundamentally why, well, one of the main reasons why in the golden age of professional wrestling in the 1990s, I disavowed the WWF and became a huge fan of its competitor, WCW, because I was fascinated with this other weird alternate company that had no chance in hell of, of making it or being popular but still existed. And they weirdly leapt ahead for, for a little bit, for a minute. They, they, were, they were running things for a, for a hot second, as the youth once said. Um, and that, that's what's always fun, too, is 99 out of 10 times, these knockoff upstarts are never going to infringe on the market space of the giant. 
But once in a while, you'll see something crazy, like when WCW did, until it didn't, and then it went out of business. But uh, let's put it this way. Another example. Back in the days of the browser wars, the internet browser wars, yours truly, guess which browser I used? I'm going to put it out there. Guess which one? Were you saying Opera? Because yes, I used the Opera operating system, because I just there's something fascinating to me about using this bizarre knockoff, why does this exist browser, but it does exist and you can use it. So I was hearing about these weird knockoff social media wannabe Twitter platforms. And I thought, you know, Wundle, Teen Wundle on the Twitter machine mentioned that he had started an account on one of these upstarts. And now I don't know because I impulsively deactivated my account. I don't know if Wundle still has his Twitter account. That'd be interesting information to have. But Wundle started an account on this app called Hive. So I thought, you know what? This is appealing to my morbid fascination with knockoff products. I'm going to go check out Hive. Now, Hive is what you would call jank. It runs very strangely. The format is very odd. Part of it, too, is you're used to like your Twitter format, your Facebook format, so anything new is going to feel... Uh, third rate, but it's just a very off app. The first thing I see are like, I can't remember if it was like naked pictures of people, but definitely not what you would see. NSFW type picture. Like, why am I seeing this when I'm trying to log on to this app for the first time? Fortunately, once I followed Wundle, I stopped seeing it because now all I see is Wundle, but we're going to get to that. Anyway, I looked up and sure enough, I found Teen Wundle on Hive. Although, sadly, he's not Teen Wundle on Hive. On Hive, he is Teen Idol. Found Teen Idol, found IC Robots, followed both of them. I got a follow back from IC Robots within like a minute. Um, and he has a couple posts on there. But Wundle's been, Wundle is running wild like Hulkamania on Hive. Wundle is posting up a storm. And Wundle is getting zero engagement. And I, this is no diss to Wundle. I just think it's because like no one's on Hive because it's this new thing, you know, whatever. But he's not letting that deter him. Oh, he is a posting machine on Hive. Every thought that comes down the pike, doing surveys, talking about cranberry turkey sandwiches, uh, uh, speculating about Sega Genesis, offering thoughts on on movies he watched, and just just everything. It is the world of Wundle over there on Hive. And quite frankly, it's it's inspirational because it's like he's single-handedly Bending this platform to his will. It's like one individual's little digital slice of performance art. And I am, as the kids once said, I think maybe they still do, here for it. I'm all in. I'm probably never going to use Hive myself, but I am all in watching Wundle posts until Wundle posts no more. The sad thing is, I followed that person, Teen Idol. I've made a few posts about him on Hive. I tagged him. It took him like two days to follow me back. Two days! Wundle, come on! In any case, I hope your holiday was well, went well. Um, it was very low-key around here. Um, Thanksgivings are weird in our family because we've had a few like really gnarly family crises happen on or around Thanksgiving. Totally coincidental, having nothing to do with the holiday, but it, it always like... Makes me a little edgy because it's like, what's going to go down this year? But nothing did. 
My mom came over for a couple hours in the morning, had brunch. Um, we, our nuclear family made dinner that night. We didn't even have to make like a gnarly Thanksgiving dinner, which none of us, again, all subjective. You know, when, when I laud things on the show, when I make fun of things on the show, I'm simply doing it from my own personal vantage point. I certainly mean no disrespect and continue to love what you love and hate what you hate on your end. That's all good. We all need to have our personal preferences. I have never been, I won't say that I hate Thanksgiving food. I did. I hated it with the heat of a billion suns when I was a child. Um, I made uneasy peace with it, and then I made just kind of like boring, neutral peace with it as an adult within the last few years. Like, whatever. I have no problem eating it. I do not understand what all the hubbub is about or why, other than tradition, which I do understand is a powerful tool, powerful draw, why one would spend so long preparing such a, to me, mediocre meal. Um... So we just made, we made other stuff we didn't do Thanksgiving. But because of, you know, I, I don't think, I'm sure there are people that absolutely love Thanksgiving food, but I often, more often than not, when I hear people talk about Thanksgiving, I hear them kind of slandering the food a bit. Um, even if they don't hate it, they're just kind of like, eh. So that's always strange to me that someone like Wendell would seek out like a Thanksgiving sandwich, like a sandwich that's like turkey and cranberry that's supposed to taste like Thanksgiving when it's not Thanksgiving. You never know with this guy. He's all over the map. But th- there are people like this because, again, the first job I ever had was at a restaurant in Santa Rosa, California, Bussing Tables, a restaurant that was a – it wasn't necessarily a Thanksgiving-themed restaurant per se, but it was a turkey restaurant, so there was all kinds of stuff on the menu that was Thanksgiving-adjacent or Thanksgiving-resembling. Uh, um, and people in Santa Rosa freaking loved that place for decades. I will never know why. Um, and with that – I think it's time to pack it in for this week. It's been, once again, me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, with very special episode 95 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, signing off. (laughs) 